0: Buongiorno, buonasera, ciao, come va and benvenuti to the Salento Files. This is episode three, Credit for Courage. I want to talk today about some reactions we've had about this adventure we're on, particularly in relation to being brave and how important it is to recognize the courage we all show every day. It'll take about 15 minutes. I hope you enjoy the ride. God, you're brave. I wish I could do that. These are the two most popular responses to my news that my family and I were leaving our jobs and our home for a year to live in southern Italy. I was interested in only the first of these responses. Most of the people who gave me the I wish I could do that response were work colleagues, people who are really in a similar situation financially and professionally to me. On the brave front though, it seemed the exact opposite of what I felt. I actually thought of us as somewhat cowardly, escaping the daily rhythm of work, daycare, work, dinner, washing, work and bedtime that everyone else somehow manages to work within. Everyone else could put up with it, so why couldn't we? Was the kind of question I was kind of asking myself. Didn't seem brave, seemed escapist. And the B word has kept being used even over here and with new friends, which is kind of strange when you think about the brave things people do every day. One of the people who exclaimed about our bravery, our bravery to me lost his father when he was a child. His mother managed to raise the family and he has faced all the rites of passage that have led to his life now. Husband, father, successful professional and generally well-adjusted human being without anyone teaching him how to be a man. I reckon that's pretty brave. Another one who commented is one of the most courageous corporate warriors I've ever known. I've seen her new to otherwise blow-torched conversations with a few cool sentences bound in evidence and good sense. I've had to take her on a few times myself, and there's always been some insomnia on my behalf the night before. So is it just that people don't realise how brave they are every day? Do we fail to give ourselves credit for our own courage? I've just returned from a weekend staying with a few different friends in London. One of the friends I stayed with is the eldest born from a large country Catholic squatocracy, the kind who have extensive agricultural property holdings named after great-grandfathers, with award-winning roses in the gardens surrounding the houses, and black-tire 21st birthday celebrations with all the boarding schoolmates in a marquee on the tennis court. I used to share a house with this particular friend back in Sydney when we were all single and newly-minted graduates and life was a junket. During the week, he'd leave the house bedecked in a suit like all of us, except he would have some touches to create a picture of the landed gentry meets city vibe that he was bringing. The shiny R.M. Williams boots, perhaps a copy of The Land tucked under his arm and, on Fridays for casual dress, the collar of the faded but perfectly ironed Ralph Lauren shirt would be flipped up, with just the tips at the front pointing down. On Saturdays, he would meet his mates for various sporting pursuits depending on the season, and finish the day with the drinks in a Sydney pub, which might then turn into early morning kebabs on the way home from the cross. On Sundays, he would go to mass. I held out hope he was atoning for his sin of gratuitously inflicting gingham and general country fashion on the funky, grungy streets of Surrey Hills. However, I have no evidence to support that, and I never asked what he was doing going to church. It just seemed disrespectful and uninformed on my behalf. His talk was often in support of the importance of tradition. Things like a woman changing her name when she was married were critical to him as upholding our society and our established mores. In a development which was surely a victory of shared environment over shared values, he and I became quite close friends. He moved to London about nine years ago, and even though we've exchanged emails and I've kept up with his news through mutual friends, I haven't seen him since then. I was thoroughly delighted to stay with him on the weekend and to meet his partner, Will, of seven years. As it happens... Will is that rare creature amongst Australians who live in London, an Englishman. He actually may be the first true specimen whose house I've entered in London. As we talked throughout the weekend, I thought a lot about courage. What it took for my friend to confront himself. After all, he left Sydney nine years ago, as he explained it, determined to conform and ignore his sexuality. I thought about the courage of others, The courage it took for his family to hear him tell his story and to face their own community in his support. The courage of his friends back in Australia, all knockabout blokes who had grown up with him and never suspected a thing. They remain his friends now. And the extremely reserved but there when you need it kind of courage it took Will to accompany him so many times on visits to friends and family in Australia, knowing that the shock was still sinking in. Like everything, courage has a spectrum. When I was a kid, fronting up and telling mum I'd broken the back window was something I'd work myself up to over a matter of hours, pacing in my bedroom and rehearsing how I would say it. I'm glad I did. It was good practice for the rest of my life, and I'm grateful that she made it okay to break a window. The stakes are a bit higher now, though, when we talk about courage. I recently watched that great Australian role model for refugees, Les Murray. Retracing his path from Hungary He was revisiting for the first time in 55 years The places and people of his stealthy escape Through midnight stowing away in haystacks And falsified identity documents at checkpoints With all his family, his siblings and his parents The people he came across Who considered themselves less fortunate to not have left Marvelled at the life Les and his family must have found in Australia Surely, they said Nirvana awaited the refugee family upon arrival in Australia. His simple and typically understated response belies a lifetime in limbo between two cultures and speaks of the xenophobia with which he was greeted in his adopted country, which he's often spoken of in his public life. He said, It was no paradise when we landed in Australia. His audience back in Hungary 55 years later was mystified that this could have been the case. But we all know, don't we, about the hardship and racism which has always awaited new migrant groups in their new homes. It seemed from his reaction that the bravery Les Murray needed to negotiate his new life may have been greater than that which was required in escaping Hungary. As I have negotiated, with inadequate Italian and an absence of religious faith, conditions for my children at the local school run by nuns, I have often thought of my formidable grandmother, my nonna, Angelina, who will turn 90 this year. Armed with three suitcases and three children under eight, she made her way on the HMAS Sydney from Sicily to Melbourne in 1954. She was greeted with surprise by my grandfather, who had arrived in Australia two years before, hated every bit of it, and, after earning some money for the family, was preparing to return home. But they stayed. And I think of her every time I have to conduct some everyday yet complex transaction here let me say from the outset that angelina's natural intelligence is undisputed if any of us in the family have ever been patted on the head by our teachers we probably have her dna to thank i'd be surprised though if she's ever had more than a few years formal education and after 57 years in her adopted country her english makes my italian seem almost professorial She was too busy getting on with it to learn a language. Somehow, she enrolled her children at the local Catholic school. Somehow, she bought a shop, raced around it serving customer after customer on her five-foot frame, which is another trait I can thank her for, seven days a week and earned a good living. She bought and paid off a house. She bought a farm. Her children either went to uni or entered trades. She now heads our family and is admired and feared in equal measures by all of us. I have three years of university to Italian, I have a law degree, I have savings and I can pay for extra tuition for my children, a new car instead of an unreliable used one, an extra coat for my daughter if the climate here is colder than I thought it would be. I have the internet, I can go back to my privileged life of opportunity and plenty in Australia if I don't like it here. And yet there have been many times here when self-pity has overcome me. I have felt homesick and I have yearned for familiarity. As the children have screamed and their teachers have held them back from running after us, I have asked myself whether we have made a monumental mistake. Every time I have to have a conversation about something important, like whether my son is going to make it through first class in Italian, I spend hours working through what the right words to use are. I have to think on the spot all the time and I know a wrong decision will have ramifications when we return and attempt to enter our kids in the Australian school system. I don't want to go and I have those conversations. I'm scared about the outcome and I'm scared about looking stupid. I'm scared they'll talk too quickly and they won't understand what I'm trying to say. I'm scared I'll create further complexity for the children and their lives will be harder for it. I'm scared we've asked too much of them. And then I think of Angelina. I think of what she did and the tasks she took on and the outcomes she achieved. When I'm faced with the local car dealer who talks so quickly, I can't understand what I'm getting when I hand over thousands of precious euros, or the soccer coach who dismisses me because it's too hard to work out that I want to enroll my son, or the local school who went back on their promise to let my kids in, I tell myself, you are Angelina's granddaughter. Would she have let herself be so devoured by fear that she would have accepted a second-rate outcome? Look, there's been nothing graceful or articulate about her way of operating over the years, but no one could deny it. The woman gets results. And when I consider that, I get on with it. As I've been explaining to my fear-stricken children before school every day, being brave doesn't mean you never get scared. Being brave means you get scared and still find a way to do what you need to do. In their world, it's useful to point out that that's what Harry Potter does. And sometimes i watch them interacting with the other children and I'm inspired by their courage. They'll use sign language, body language, English, even though no one can understand it, whatever, to get their message across. They can't be understood by anyone and they can't understand anyone, but they keep going in and finding a way to communicate and get along. Six hours a day, five days a week. Exhausting, frustrating and courageous. And I see so many acts of courage at the critical end of the spectrum that finding inspiration is easy. The Albanian refugees who fled their homeland in desperation in the 90s and who have had now such a significant impact on the culture here just by virtue of sheer numbers. Then there's the nuns who have had the courage to face their own parents with the decision to eschew family life in favour of their calling. I consider the courageous things I've seen people do over the years some of you people I'll admit that now yes we've had to be brave sometimes here but haven't we all at some point hasn't everyone don't we all do courageous things but not recognize them as such every day aren't we all then brave we may not be refugees fleeing persecution but don't you show courage in other ways like doing something you'll be criticized for facing something that others can live with ignoring protecting a sibling taking up an argument with your boss leaving or even staying talking about it turning up every day even though you hate it and doing your best or making a change to follow your passion failing starting again telling your story helping people who might not deserve it accepting someone back after rejection arguing the other point of view, standing up to your friends, or just really having a go at it, whatever it is, in a way that means failure will be obvious to the people around you, the people whose opinions you really care about. My mother once said to me that when you're facing your hardest times and when you feel your weakest, well, that's actually when you're being your most courageous, just getting through the days and trying to keep it together. So now that I've thought about all that, When people say we're brave, I think my response will just be, so are you. I want to give credit for courage when it's due, and it's probably due to all of us. And when people who have the same opportunity and the same situation as me say, look at the adventure you're on, I wish I could do that, I think I'm just going to smile and change the subject. Arrivederci, I'll see you in two weeks.